filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster So uh, the fact that I'm talking uh, first probably already tells people what's going on. Um, A disaster. A train wreck. Yeah. uh, I did not get an adequate amount of sleep because I'm dumb and fell asleep on the couch and then didn't go back to bed when I should have. Um, Ben, I'm sure between fatherhood and working, uh, you are also exhausted. Um, yeah, and when I, I didn't fall asleep on the couch last night, but whenever I do fall asleep on the couch, which is not regular, but it happens occasionally, at least I have a wife who makes fun of me uh, when I do so. She doesn't help me. She just okay. makes fun of me when I do so. Uh, I have I have to make fun of, I have to make do on my own. I have to make my own jokes at my own expense. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Adam is not here. Uh, Adam's lovely wife, uh, Anne Louise, uh, gave birth over the weekend. Was it Friday? It's Friday. I believe right? so. Yes. Yeah. To Redmond. To Redmond. So, uh, congratulations to them. Indeed. Um, congratulations, y'all. Baby and mother and father, uh, are all apparently doing well. Uh, Adam says that he was out getting, um, uh, prescriptions or something along those lines during today's horrific rainstorm. Um, which is what he's supposed to do, uh, as, a uh, a father, uh, to two children and his wife had just given birth. You should be the one toughing out the rainstorm at that yeah. point. Um, uh, it, it, it wasn't quite a kill storm, but it was pretty close to a kill storm. Uh, it really didn't get too bad where I was. It was strange to see everyone else was getting like these horrible reports of everything. And I was like, oh, it's just like, it's raining. It's raining hard, but it's not like good God, you know, Yeah. but sometimes you get lucky. Um, unfortunately, not um, like DC United, right? This is a great moment to pivot. (laughs) Uh, DC United did not get lucky, uh, this weekend or, well, we've got multiple, we've got so many games to keep track of that. I can't even keep track. Um, we'll get into briefly the U S open cup, which feels like it was an age ago, but actually was less than a week ago. Um, we'll get into their two, nothing loss at Toronto FC. We have Eugene Rapinski to come on to talk about, uh, the, Weekend's game against Philadelphia Union in between here and there, though, we still have to talk about DC versus Atlanta, which is Wednesday night. It's too many games. Uh, it's, I can't stand it. Uh, and we're going to have to talk about the, uh, four games again next week. Yes. Oh, it doesn't end. The, the deluge is just going to keep coming until I, I think by like two weeks from now, the show is just going to be like mush brain, uh, Ten times worse than what we've already got, which is bad. This is a bad start, and will be worse in the future. Please don't abandon the show. Um, we're doing. We our love best. you. We're, we're trying to stay afloat in this uh, um, flood of games. Ben, let's go with the normal. Um, let's cut this terrible rambling off. What are you drinking? So uh, for Father's Day, my very first Father's Day, uh, my lovely wife got me a uh, bourbon present as. I assume you all would expect. And I got, um, Woodford Reserves, uh, double oaked, uh, bourbon. So it was 
aged like a regular bourbon, and then it was finished in lightly toasted oak barrels. So it's even nice. oakier and smokier than a regular Woodford Reserve, and it is quite tasty. I'm just drinking it neat because you can't drink Woodford Reserve anything but neat. Right, you're not you're not tossing that uh, in in with anything else. Um, no, no, no. Neat. I mean, I've got I've I have some ginger ale in my fridge, right, but I'm not but gonna no. Put, you could no. do like you could be like a splash of water with it. Um, or, I could, but I didn't. Right, but that's pretty much all you can do. Um, you're not mixing that up with uh, a bunch of mixers. That would be ridiculous. I've never had that that particular variety of Woodford Reserve, but what my my experience with them in general is that it is pretty damn good bourbon. Um, mm-hmm. I myself uh, also went the simple route because I was watching the Atlanta United Columbus Crew game until right before we came on. Um, so I ran downstairs and poured myself a uh, double, well, it's not really a double, um, of Rudo uh, Añejo. Uh, I've been talking about the Rudo Technico line of tequilas. Um, this is the, Rudo is the more robust, uh, less refined. Uh, basically, the Technico is, is their more refined stuff, and Rudo is their more brash um, this one definitely fits the bill on the brash side of things. It has a, um, I'm just drinking it, uh, on the rocks. Um, but it has nice. a, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's blunt and yet it's still kind of complex. Um, there's a lemon note throughout. Um, there's a really peppery finish to it. There's also some sweetness, um, like a caramel or a brown sugar, maybe even molasses kind of sweetness in there. Huh. Um, it's a really interesting tequila. I still think that the the Technico Añejo is the best of them, but this is really close. This is really good stuff. Is it barrel aged? Uh, yes. Um, I okay. do not know the details because the bottle does not really explain too well. Um, okay. But uh, it is. Um, it doesn't have much of a aged color. It's it's very. Th- it looks more like a reposado. It's it's mm-hmm. thin looking. Um, but flavor-wise, it has a lot to it. Um, so I'm, I'm impressed. I'm still impressed by those guys. And if they ever want to pay me to tell people to drink it, I'll take their money and I'll mean what I say for once rather than being willing to take someone's money and say lies. Um, so te- Technico, uh, Rudo Technico, folks, if you're out there, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Please send us money. Um, <laughs> or just booze. I'll take the booze. Ben, I'm sure you would not mind uh, someone dropping off some tequila for you. No, I wouldn't mind that. We can speak for Adam. He'll accept the tequila as well. Uh, no, um, only send Adam gin. <laughs> no, or rum. No, send Martin. Well, no, send Adam rum. Send Martin gin. No, yes. don't send Martin gin because he hasn't done anything in like years. That's true. He he doesn't deserve uh, what what the rest of us deserve. Uh, the punishment that we keep coming back for. Um, let's try and keep this in chronological order. Uh, last Tuesday, so six days ago, we're recording on Monday. You mean uh, 600 years ago? Yeah, it feels inc- like an incredibly long time ago. DC United faced off with Christos FC in the U.S. Open Cup uh, fourth round. Um, lots of attention in this one because it was an MLS team playing an amateur side. Um, and especially since on- it was the last amateur side. Yes, the last remaining amateur team. Um, you get a prize for that. You get about 15 grand. Uh, your club gets about 15 grand for making it that far. Um, which is a nice boost for them. The attention from all this also apparently got them a pretty sweet deal with uh, Adidas as far as um, kit supplies for their various teams. They also field um, an over-30 team that is um, just as 
elite on the amateur circuit uh, nationally as their regular team. Um, they actually took the lead on this game. Um, DC did not start mm-hmm. well at all. Nope. Um, Mam- Mamadou Kansai uh, converted a free kick on a, a pretty ill-advised foul uh, from Chris Odoyachim. Uh, to give Christos the one nothing lead. And for about 12 minutes, uh, that held up and people were starting to lose their minds a little bit. Um, but, uh, Julian Boucher threw a wet blanket on all that, got a goal before halftime. Uh, halftime still very inter- is very interesting to be at the Plex and have a 1-1 scoreline. Um, given the way the season has gone, uh, the potential for this to get really ugly. I mean, the kick, Richmond kickers are kind of going through a similar season as DC is going through, and they lost to Christos. So, um, some at of least, those things had to be. At, I mean, at least the kicker scored this weekend. Yes, uh, they with did a new score. signing. Um, yeah, uh, g- uh, that must be Frank nice to have a new signing who then scores <laughs> goals. Yep. Um, but after halftime, DC just. Uh, well, I shouldn't say after halftime. It, it did take a while before they started to make their first. Well, it was like the 80th, 80th minute before yeah. they really did anything? Well, that was when they got their second goal. Um, but the fitness uh, gap really started to show around the hour mark. Um, yeah. And Christos from there, just there just wasn't anything left in the tank. They used their subs, and they still had guys cramping left and right. Um, Lloyd Sam came in. Um, I'll actually credit Stephen Streff, who was telling me after the game in the parking lot that uh, – one of the jokes in the press box was like, are they really going to have to bring Lloyd Sam into this game to uh, add a touch of class to win the game? And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yep. um, he came in, scored the what turned out to be the game winner, and then uh, Buescher and Ian Harks padded the scoreline in stoppage time um, yep. to give it a 4-1 uh, winning margin. Ben, I think the main takeaway from this game for me is it's good to see Ian Harks get a goal. Yes, um, that is... Despite the fact that uh, uh, Julian Buescher had two goals and two assists, uh, I feel like Ian Harks had the better game, even though he came in late and uh, got his first professional goal. Uh, we can talk about Buescher's really uneven performance in a little bit, yeah. but uh, it was really good to see Harks uh, get his goal, get his first uh, professional goal, and he he played well in this game, and... Uh, spoiler alert for the uh, the uh, Toronto game. I feel like he was one of the few DC United players who played uh, decently in that one as well. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I guess Harks really was in the same category as Sam, um, coming in uh, as a sub to sort of uh, add that that touch of class, that composure on the ball to break down yeah. a um, bunkering defensive team. Christos didn't really bunker at the start of the game, but. As it wore on, they started to bunker more, um, and it takes it takes a little bit of a a little bit more patience to break that down. Harks really brought that uh, into the game, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll get into the the last thing we'll talk about with this one is the Buescher issue, where two goals, two assists, that's very good uh, against any opponent. That's a really a, a that's nice, a quite uh, excellent game. Line. Yeah, um, but. Outside of that, if you take those away and you just view the rest of it, uh, kind of disappointing. He was missing a lot of, he was seeing a lot of passes, but he wasn't connecting them. Um, his movement wasn't quite where it needed to be to open up Christos up the middle. Um, and I mean, there's a, one of the reasons you, it, it's not all on him, but one of the reasons United struggled to break them down is they get, couldn't really get too much going from their main playmaker until, Christos started to really just sit deep and defend inside their box only. 
Um, when it wasn't until uh, they brought on Ian Harks as yeah. well that they really started to be able to loosen up things. Yeah, and and I think Ben Olsen noted after the game, one of his quotes was that um, Buescher made the big plays, but but needs to be making the smaller plays in between those to uh, get more time. Now, that said, he did end up getting into the game on the weekend against TFC, so it wasn't like he was ignored or punished for missing some passes. He still stayed in the rotation. Um, got Well, he got eight minutes, but it was really a sort of a... I, it's much of a as as much of a go for broke sub as United could muster at this time because their most of their attackers are injured or on their way out, um, which I guess or in Portugal, right? Which means we might as well jump to that game. Um, United fell two nothing at Toronto FC uh, after a pretty, I wouldn't say great first half, but solid enough, frustrating for Toronto. Um, yeah. Really frustrating for about an hour, and then they opened up trying to go forward. Um, for the first time all game, they weren't particularly compact in any direction. Lucho had a turnover, and Michael Bradley saw the sense of the moment immediately, spread the ball wide to Giovinco, who hit a perfect pass to Josie Altidore, knifing. Uh, I want to say Corb and Burnbaum, who really because of how open things were, didn't really have much of a chance to do anything about it because United was so spread out. Um, Josie... I mean, still, you should... Somebody should be marking Josie out the door. Well, you get so spread out that in that that much space, you end up with the opportunity to get away from your man. Um, and that's what he did. Yeah, he deserves some credit for a good run. Um, really, the team shape thing bothers me more than anything else. But that's where the first goal came from. The second goal, much more troubling because it's another set-piece goal, this time, um... Burnbaum again uh, losing a battle uh, with the eventual goal scorer. This time is Jordan he Hamilton. Not, he did um, not have a good game. Yeah, Jordan Hamilton got away from him and just glanced a driven corner kick back across goal, and it tucked itself in. Um, no one could get a touch, and if really if anyone else had gotten a touch, it just would have been their goal instead of Hamilton's because um, when you execute on a corner like that, when you hit that driven ball and it gets glanced, um, it's almost impossible unless you have someone standing on the post. It's pretty much going in. Um, and that pretty much was the game. United had a couple looks where at zero zero had a couple looks yep. where they really could have um, given themselves a real shot at this one. I thought from maybe the last ten minutes of the first half and the first five minutes of the second half were some of the best soccer they've played in a while. It's just that's a small amount of time still. It's only fifteen minutes. Yeah. Um, and outside of that, they were having to really do a lot of defending, um, which is fine, but you've, if you're going to be that team, you've got to capitalize, and instead, uh, Alex Bono had to make one big save, and it was at 2 nothing. In it was in stoppage time. Um, yeah. Ben, what is your first major takeaway from this game? I mean, it's just another game where it's... You look at it academically, and it's an okay performance, but given the context of this season so far, and given the way that this team has performed uh, over the balance of the season, it's it's nowhere near good enough. And you could say, if this had been a one-off game, and they've been nicking points here and there, and uh, doing okay at home, then 
this would have been not a great performance, but it wouldn't have been an acceptable performance. But given the fact that their uh, central midfield is still a mess, that uh, Steve Birnbaum still has not played well really at all this year. He's been really quite disappointing defensively this year. And, um, I mean, offensively he hasn't performed either, but I'm more concerned about his defensive performance. Um, and th- that's been, regardless of who's been his partner, whether it be Bobby Boswell, who's injured, or Kofi Apare, who's been uh, fine, but not enough to cover Birnbaum's performances. So it's just, it's just been a disappointing performance all around and that's not even getting into the horror show that is United's offense. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I think the, the context thing is important. I think um, if United, when they had those three home games in a row um, yeah. and it was four out of five as well, um, if they take seven points from those four games, which isn't great by any means, no. it's still not ideal, but if they get seven out of those, uh, then if they were say, battling for the uh, red line, like right around right. the red line, and seven points would have would put them within reaching distance of the red line, um, then you say, you know what, everyone. I mean, Toronto's the best team in the league right now. You're yeah. on the road. You probably more often than not, most teams in MLS are going to fall two nothing at Toronto. It's a very reasonable result, um, yeah. and and it's a re- it's a, the way the game played out is a very reasonable result because you know, like we said. This game after 55 minutes is 0-0, and DC is, has effectively frustrated TFC. Um, they were already – they picked up two yellows. Giovinco had flipped out uh, on his yellow. Um, yeah. They were effective – they were staying in a good shape. They were compact uh, front to back and side to side. Um, they were causing – I mean, they weren't causing TFC a, t- a ton of trouble at the back, but they were at least making sure that this game wasn't uh, – it didn't have the feel of a blowout or or – that TFC was knocking on the door for an hour and it finally broke through. Um, right. Hamid hadn't really had to do very much up till the goal. Um, but you lose your, your leeway, your, your grace period or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, when you don't pick up those home results and now every game is important and every game is when you lose and you're not scoring, they just, they stick out that, you know, it, it's, it's a raw wound that won't go away right now. Um, and if they had performed in especially those earlier when you games... Especially when you don't score. It, it, it would right. have been so different if it had been 2-1 instead of 2-0. Yeah. Um, and it would, have been, it would have been actually different, really, because the performances would have basically been the same if right. they had converted one of those goals, but it would have been mentally so different had they uh, sure. had it been 2-1. Um, and, but, and, and the other part of this is that we've been saying that a lot lately um, against um, L.A., DC probably yeah. should have won the game. They should have found a goal from one of those chances. They didn't. They ended up throwing two points away at home. At Orlando, with the score 0-0, DC had three great chances to take the lead on a team that is mentally not very strong. I think if you yeah. take the lead in that environment, Orlando crumbles and they self-destruct. Um, but instead, United let them let them stay in the game when they had their chances, and Orlando wins the game 2-0. Um that's been the case a lot of times this year is that, yes, United isn't creating enough chances, but they are finding a way, recently at least, to put together a chunk of adequate to good soccer, um, but they aren't turning it into a lead. Um, they aren't turning it into goals. 
And when you keep doing that, eventually you're going to lose most of your games. Um, and that that's something they're going to have to fix for the weekend because Atlanta, I'm, I don't know if they're still the highest scoring team in the league, but if they're not, they're really close to it. Um, you don't beat them one nothing generally speaking. So right, well, I was I was looking back at their results and the preview of our next segment, but they don't draw games or have one goal games. They either right. win by multiple goals or lose by multiple goals because their defense isn't very good either. Right, but and, you have and, to be able to score. I'm bringing up their. I, I need to know if they're the highest scoring team. Uh, they have <laughs> yeah, they have 31 goals in 15 games, which is yes, that's the most in the league. Okay. On yep. a gross on a gross goal scoring total, it's the most, and I'm pretty sure it's also the most goals per game. Um, they have 21 more goals than DC United on the season with the same number of games played. I'm not making that up. Um, so, uh, and and the bizarre thing is when they met, DC scored three goals on them. Um, right. Exactly. But anyway, before we're getting ahead of ourselves, um, I'm looking for. I guess I will say that if there were players I was satisfied with coming out of this game, uh, it's Jared Jeffrey and Ian Harks um, doing well in possession, um, not giving the ball away, uh, which is a big thing for Jeffrey. I think at halftime he'd only misplaced two passes um, out of 17 or 18, something like that. Um, yeah. I think he even had a key pass uh, in the first half, and he was also... Jeffrey did a really good job in this game of being physical without getting in trouble. Um, in the past, he's had a knack for being physical too. Ob- it's too he's too obvious about it, and he gets in trouble with the referee very quickly. Um, in this game, he did a good job of being physical without necessarily stepping over the line, um, which right. part of a defensive midfielder's life is living in that gray area. Um, and he yeah. he did a a pretty good job of that, I thought. Until I mean. Until the goal came, and then the whole thing kind of fell apart. Yeah, I mean, I think he was fine for what he is, right? But it's a they need to improve it, it, that position, definitely. Right? It, it, it's not his fault that he's not good enough, but they need more from that position. That yeah, he he does not provide enough from that position to uh, make this team click. But right, there's nobody between, else on the team right. to to do anything better. Between between now and the transfer window, he's going to have to keep playing at this level. Um, right. He's and what, got there are six games. 50, I think it's six games left. Um, there are what 50, 57 games between now and the transfer window opening. Is that what you yeah. just said? Fifty seven. There's there's a game right now, and there's a game in two hours, and there's a game uh, at three a.m. as well. Um, <laughs> okay, that's what the I games just never stop coming. Um, but yeah, it. I guess the last the last thing before we finish this segment, the word is bear up front. <laughs> um, this is a game that Lamar Nagel, who isn't a natural forward, started up front. Um, Jason, are, are you sure you aren't going to start on Wednesday night at, uh, at forward? I mean, I've I've got some experience playing up top, but uh, if if we're relying on me, then we're going to be playing the slowest soccer game in history. Um, but yeah, uh, Al Haji Kamara. Uh, in Portugal, and apparently the plan is to let him. He wants he wants more regular minutes at a higher level than he was getting um, with Richmond. So the team is going to let him move on because, I mean, there's not he's not really a player that's worth putting up the fight over. Um, and right, especially if they can get a like at least Dave Casper is good at this. He can get a tiny transfer fee for somebody so that they are 
not on the uh, uh, on the books anymore, so that they can use that money to sign somebody else. Right, we call that the uh, the day on Yakovich. Right, um, and and sometimes these things happen. A club, for whatever reason, falls in love with a player, and um, you also find yourself in a position where they're not necessary uh, for your success. So you say, you know what? Um, he'll be happier. We'll be happier. Everyone wins in this scenario. Um, it is a little bizarre that he never really got a look in this year, given that no one else is scoring goals. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like the systems United has been playing, they, they don't work for his, his style of game or his style of play. Um, and I mean, if, if he had already gone to Portugal, uh, while his team was still playing, who knows, like how much he was willing to take a substitute role. He could have just been like, I mean, after I being assume, in Richmond, he'd just been like, eh, I'm good. I assume he was probably told, look, um, we're going to, we're going to find a figure out a new place for you to play. So we're not going to risk you by putting you in a game. You get hurt and then you're stuck here. Um, for who knows how long, you know, if he rolls his ankle at this point, while well, there's a team interested, maybe they move on. And then where's yeah. he going to go? Um, so it's one of those situations where you 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 don't break the player right before you're going to let him go. Um, speaking of apparently on the way out, uh, or at least likely, possibly on the way out. Yeah, um, Jose Ortiz, uh, Steve Goff in the post today reported that um, there's at least a chance that his loan will be ended early. Which, unfortunately for Ortiz, uh, it's kind of hard to question because. The guy tries hard. Um, he's he's definitely got some skill, but he does not fit what United needs right now. He's also the world's slowest striker. He's not a fast guy. Um, there's no there's no <laughs> way around that fact that he's just not fast. Um, but yeah, he's not a back to goal forward. He's not fast. Um, he's a hardworking second forward on a team that doesn't play with two forwards. Um, it's yeah. pretty much what we said when he arrived: is how is he supposed to fit into this team? I actually thought he might end up on the wing when he was first signed because it was obvious to me that this is not really – he's not – the setup he succeeded in in Costa Rica was a two-forward setup, and United does not play that way. They can't play that way with Lucho, with Lucho in the fold unless they play with three in the back, which doesn't appear to be happening anytime soon. So, um, Although maybe – depending on what happens next week on the podcast, maybe we'll maybe – We'll talk about three in the back instead of talking about actual games. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows? We we might need to just distract ourselves depending on how these next two games go. Exactly. But speaking of next two games, uh, we are going to take a quick break and uh, get into those two games starting with Atlanta and then moving on to Philly. So this is Filibuster. Stick around. Please. Please do. <laughs> hey, Ben. Um... You wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. And we're back. Uh, we have still many more games to discuss um first up is the midweek game this is monday uh, i think i already mentioned we we're recording on monday the game will be on wednesday dc united hosting atlanta united in a game that that dc pretty much has to have um if we're being honest it's kind of a it's a must win it isn't a mathematical must win but as far as uh feel goes it feels like a must win um the last time these two teams met united somehow scored 30 percent of their goals on the season um, down in Atlanta, they won three, one, um, they fell behind. They probably could have been b- dead and buried after 10 minutes, the way that game started. Uh, yep. but a Lamar Nagel cross got turned in, uh, for an own goal by Michael Parkhurst. And it seemed to wake United up and also completely throw Atlanta off of all of their plans. And from there, United countered Atlanta to death, uh, with two goals from Sebastian Latou. If I'm, is that right? Is it two goals from Latou in that one? I, th- I think so. No, no, it's, it's one, right. one by Lucho and one by Latou. That's what it was. Oh, yes. yes. Um, um, to, to win, uh, the last time, it was the, the last, if I'm not mistaken, Latou's goal is the last goal from open play that DC United has scored. Um, because in between that game, this game took place on April 30th and we're, <laughs> it's June 19th. Um, and since then, United's only goal of any kind was a penalty kick won via a dive. Um, ben, however, uh, we have some good news for folks. Uh, no, Atlanta's don't. defense, Atlanta's defense, maybe not so good. No, they're pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> as we mentioned in the, uh, as we hinted in the first segment, Atlanta either wins by multiple goals or loses by multiple goals, and. Michael Parkhurst is the only semi-decent defender, and he is not the same caliber as when he was uh, knocking at the door of the national team and getting occasional starts for them and uh, play and playing well in Columbus and before that in uh, Denmark. So he's not as good as he was, and if unfortunately for United, if... If you have speed, you can get through Atlanta's defense, but uh, speed is one of the things that United does not really have right at the moment, so it's going to require more guile, and at this point, I don't know if they have enough guile to repeat their uh, 3-1 to win and break down that not-very-good Atlanta defense. Well, one thing that will help uh, United in this one is that Carlos Carmona, the Chilean international uh, central midfielder for them, uh, will be suspended. Uh, he picked up a yellow card in the first half against Columbus in their, uh, 3-1 win over Columbus, um, that put him over the limit. So he'll miss this game, um, which is pretty good news. I mean, they do have players that can replace him. They could, uh, drop Julian Gressel into that role. Um, they have Kevin Kratz, uh, who 
Kratz is kind of a weird story. He was signed by the union, but then there were some signs that maybe he was actually signed by Atlanta and then loaned to Philly at the end of last year and then sent back to Atlanta. It was a weird saga um, that hasn't meant a whole lot. He's not really been a game breaker, but he's been a solid sub for them. Um, they have a couple of other uh, midfield options they could plug in for Carmona. Chris McCann, the um, uh, Irish midfielder that was one of their very first signings as a club, uh, could jump in as well. Um, but in any case, it's it, all of those guys are a step down from a guy who gets caps for Chile uh, right now. Yeah. Um so that's a that's a positive development as well for United. They they won't have as a difficult a midfield to break through. Carmona is um an extremely hard working player who covers a he covers a ton of ground for Atlanta, wins a lot of loose balls. Um they don't really have anyone that can replace that range. Um which will help, um, especially uh given that they'll be at home. It's a game that uh United has gone it's four straight without a goal at home. Um, one point out of those four games, uh, the pressure is in, in, very much on in this one. Um, so any good news coming out of Atlanta is, is welcome. Um, unfortunately, there's also some bad news. The last time United played Atlanta, they were missing, uh, Joseph Martinez, their high scoring striker. Um, Martinez was injured at the time. He is back. Uh, he returned his first, this was his first, uh, Substitute appearance since his injury, he came in in the 63rd minute and scored a fairly ridiculous goal in the 88th minute to saw Columbus off. Yeah. Um, a really narrow angle uh, finish that he put into the roof of the net. Um, in a time, the kind of goal that would destroy United. Like, yeah, you could totally unlock United with a similar kind of goal. Right, and and you know part of the problem is that he's the kind of guy in the la- in the game uh, the last time these two met. Um, Atlanta had several great chances early in the game and they just wasted them or were robbed by Bill Hamid. Um, part of the issue though is that the finishes weren't that precise and Martinez, what he brings to the table is extremely precise finishing. Um, so if those count, if that caliber of chance happens again for Atlanta, especially early in the early going, this thing could get out of hand. Um, because he's not going to waste those chances in the way that uh, Atlanta's other players, V, v Alba and, uh, Hen- uh, Kenwin Jones wasted those chances last time. Um, he's, I, I, now I don't, I can't guarantee he's going to start because like I said, he's played 27 minutes since his injury, um, all told. So he might not be ready to rotate in as a starter, but he's probably going to play more than 27 minutes in this one, which means that United's going to have to, most likely is going to have to produce goals, uh, to, um, not, not just one goal, but like two goals minimum to get out of this one. I don't think they've got a shutout, uh, against Atlanta in their, in their bag. Um, it is interesting to note that the rotation, uh, that Atlanta might have to go through because they also play on the weekend. The difference is that they play Colorado at home. They play on the weekend. They play a bad team at home, whereas United is playing in a conference game on the road against the Union, um, who, Unfortunately, as we'll get into in the next topic, they're bad too, but maybe not quite as bad as, as United is right now. Um, but both are worse than Colorado. Yes. Uh, somehow both teams are worse than Colorado, which is just horrible. Um, it'll be interesting to, to watch how Atlanta handles the short turnaround. Um, this being the four days rest game, I don't think we're going to see too much rotation, but 
A guy like Tyrone Mears, their right back, is 33 or 34 at this point. He might need a rest. Um, Greg Garza um, was almost out of soccer due to various uh, surgeries on um, his midsection. He was having some major... He actually had um, basically like golf ball-sized growths uh, in his uh, facial tissue in his hips um, that were causing a lot of injuries. So I don't know if they want to ask him to cover the amount of ground he covers that left back, uh, back-to-back like that. Um, but they've still, they're still going to show up with, uh, Miguel Almiron, who is one of the best players in the league. Um, Hector Villalba, uh, despite wasting some chances last time against United was still dangerous throughout that game and is still a pretty dangerous player. Um, Yamil Assad is a dangerous player, also dangerous physically because he might throw an elbow at your face, um, or kick you or something like that, or just take a dive. Um, definitely one of the least likable players in the league, but still a threat to, to score. Um, those guys I suspect will all be in. Um, do you think, uh, it, you, do you think United is going to do much rotating? Cause I feel like they're going to have to rotate in a decent amount of guys as well. I I would suspect we're going to see some rotation because of the, the, if, if the game on the weekend were against a Western conference team, I don't think we would see any, um, or, you, you could do performance-based rotation, but it wouldn't be just preserving people's legs. But the fact that you've got the Philly game is, is pretty much a, uh, a do-or-die game for both teams as well. Um, I do suspect we're going to see someone somewhere. <coughs> we might see something like Marcelo uh, Sarvas getting, getting in somewhere. Oh, no. Um, I mean, United doesn't have too many players they can afford to rotate out at this point because if you're not breaking into this starting lineup right now, that says something about you at this point. Um, that's not a good sign. Um, I did note that at the end of the game, um, Luciano Acosta seemed to be struggling a little bit uh, due to the – it's going to be an ongoing ankle thing with him. Um, I don't know how much I, – I expect him to start. I just don't know how long he can go in this game. Um, it kind of puts pressure on United to get the job done early if they're going to get the job done, because if you've got to pull him after 60 minutes so he can play against the Union, where are the goals going? Where's the creativity uh, going to come from? Um, but someone like maybe we see a winger switched out, um, be it Sam or, or Niako. Um, we could see Nagel rotated out of uh, the front line. It could be Ortiz. It could be Latou. Um, who played really well against Atlanta last time, but it was kind of a specific circumstance because you're on the road against Atlanta, you're sitting deep, um, playing purely on the counter. That's Latou's game is, is playing on the break. Um, it's the situations where United actually wants to build up and have uh, possession uh, where he's got to play with his back to goal that it does not work. Um, he's just not cut out for that job. Um, it's not a good situation to be looking at... Uh, an ineffective forward, a guy who's not a natural forward, and a different guy who's not a natural forward as your three forward options. Um, but that is exactly what United's looking at. Um, I guess we're fortunate that no one got hurt in the last game, um, or at least no one got hurt that we saw. Um, yeah. Ben, if you if you could choose one player to rotate in to, to help this team out, uh, one player that's available, who would you yeah. rotate in? Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, <laughs> uh, hmm. 
I don't know, because it's, it's... Unfortunately, the team that played over the weekend is the best team that's available. It's just not good enough to win games in Major League Soccer. Like, Patty Mullins should come in when he's healthy, but he's not. Uh, Sean Franklin would be an asset to this team. Nick DeLeon would be an asset to this team, but they're not healthy either. Um, Julian Buescher showed in the Open Cup game that, I mean... Obviously, he's not going to start over Lucho Acosta or Ian Harks. Um, I guess if you wanted to be super offensive, and I guess I'll go with this. If you wanted to be super offensive and just go for broke in your midfield, you could bench Jeffrey, even though he's been okay, and put Harks at the six and then Buescher and Acosta next to each other and just go for broke trying to create offense that way. And it it's going to put a lot of pressure on Harks and the defense. But if you're not scoring goals, you can't win soccer games. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's there's no one to there's no one healthy right now to rotate in that's going to make goals seem more likely. Um, right. I I look at this and think that Olson's got to keep that that front six the same because uh, even though it's so bad. I mean, there's those there's are, those are the most likely guys to create a goal. Um, other than you know fo- a focus on, I, I wouldn't even rotate anyone in. I would just rotate uh, a focus on um, pieces, set pieces, because Atlanta's not very big. Um, they're not very good at defending yeah. much of anything. Um, just work on offensive set pieces and hope that you with Burnbaum and Opare, um, and and to a lesser extent with Harks and with Nagel and Jeffrey. Um, you can fight your way to turning one of those into a goal. I do think I do, I do think that there's at least a chance with this team that they're so far in the sort of negative sense of things where if they could luck their way into some dumb goal on a set piece early in the game, you know, uh, scramble hits off somebody and, and someone happens to find like a gift four yards out and they just punch it in, um, it might perk everybody up across the board you know uh, this is a team that has been has been, but also has been in need of just a bounce going their way um yeah. with that miss that nagel had where it, it's not even a miss from nagel because he never actually touched the ball <laughs> um but if that service is like two inches closer to him it hits his foot somewhere and goes in um this team could use a slice of that kind of luck that little um you know the ball bobbles off of something though um, early in the season, we got very lucky. Uh, Lloyd Sam scored a goal that he cr- credited directly to the quality of the surface at RFK at the time against New York City. Um, but if anyone watched the MLS did a video with um, Ian Harks and John Harks, um, one of the things that John Harks pointed out, it was kind of funny, that whole video involved Harks m- three or four times bringing up uh, how nice it was to be at RFK and all this other stuff that was very favorable about RFK, which is a kind of a treat for people like me that think RFK is still awesome um, to hear somebody else that, that isn't here all the time be like, no, this is great. Um, but one of the things John Hark said was that the field is in really good condition right now. So those errors got corrected. Um, right. So we're, we're not going to get the fortuitous bounce uh, due to clumps or what have you. Um, but however it comes, you know, if, if Alec Khan, Atlanta's goalkeeper makes some sort of bizarre mistake because he's not really that good of a goalkeeper, um, if they rotate Mark Bloom in for Tyrone Mears and he makes a mistake because he hasn't played very much, something like that. 
Um, United could definitely use one of those. Um, other points. The only other point that that's coming to mind to me right now is that uh, Atlanta. I touched on this a little bit with uh, Yamil Assad, but there's a tendency to pick up uh, red cards on this team. Yeah. Um, and United might need to be a little prickly, a, a little um, willing to provoke uh, in an attempt to get Atlanta to do something dumb and go down to 10. Um, and maybe that is part of the recipe. I mean, at this point, I don't think you could turn down a victory under any circumstances. Um, as much as United fans were unhappy with the win in Vancouver, I feel like if they won the exact same way on Wednesday night, I don't think there would be too much complaining uh, among the fan base, maybe complaining that we have to settle for that sort of thing, um, but not complaining about three points, because if you can't get some wins now, the season is pretty much going to peter out even before the reinforcements arrive. Right. Especially, it's not like, I mean, yes, there have been teams in the past that have been able to turn it around uh, with midseason signings and go on a tear, but you have to have the pieces in place to go on a tear, and there are three to five more teams in the league now than there right. were even when Montreal and or New England went on their respective tears late in seasons. Yeah, and it's the old um, arena LA Galaxy model was always stay in touch with the group and then go on a run in the summer. Um, the issue in this case is staying in touch with the group. Um, right. Well, and just United... everybody, like, everybody is just better now. That's not as much of a thing i feel like right but also it's, yeah you have to stay in touch you know in the past in the old eastern conference it would have been completely viable to say like well we can go if we improve by a lot we can just go on a terror in the conference because everyone's going to be terrible this year though the east is actually the better conference this is um i, I don't even think there's a question that this is the stronger conference uh, at this point which means united's got to cut their way through uh, some pretty thick uh, obstacles to get to get back in this. They're currently uh, seven points out of a playoff spot, though um, Columbus has played two games more than United. And um, as of right now, I believe Atlanta's not in a playoff spot. That's right. Atlanta on 21, 21 points. They're one point out of a playoff spot. Um, and, they've and, played the and, same number of games as DC, though. Yeah, and everybody's been talking about how well they've been playing, and they have been right. playing well a lot of the time. It's just the East the East is brutal this year. Yeah, and as you said, Ben, at the beginning of this, Atlanta either seems to play very well or play very poorly. Yeah. Um, they don't really do in-between very much. Um, their road record isn't anything special. They've got two wins, three draws, four losses. Um, that's a pretty standard MLS road record, I would say. Um, so it's not like... Uh, it's not like this is an impossible task. Uh, this is not Toronto FC over again. Um, th thankfully, we don't have to play them back-to-back, though we do have to finish this run of uh, a billion games at F on, July, on July 4th. Uh, good luck with, of course. with playing in, in Texas in July. That's a, always a treat. Um, especially when you've already had a gauntlet of games. That's your last one is... Uh, the most exhausting game possible, basically. Ben Olsen um, will probably start that one. That's that's a a complaint for the future, though. I guess um, I'm I, I guess that kind of sums up um, my position on this Atlanta game. That as much as it looks like a dark situation right now, this is a team that United can beat. They they will have to play at a very high level, and they haven't been doing that lately. Um, but it's not out of the question that they can scrape a win out of this one and 
I mean, they they they've done it. They've done it this year. That's true. Even though and, it seems like seventy five thousand years ago, right? Um, and Atlanta's not going to change their approach. They're still going to high press. They still. Um, I found it kind of confusing to, to listen to their game because their their local announcers seem to think that Atlanta is a um, pile up possession and play like the Real Salt Lake teams under Jason Christ, where it's all about keeping the ball. Uh, Atlanta wants to press and play at a high tempo. They're very high. It's all high velocity stuff. They're trying to go forward as quickly as possible. They aren't really concerned with stringing together 20 passes. They just want to turn the ball over in an advantageous spot and then surge at you with numbers. Um, It's not a complicated game plan. It's just a, if because of the way they execute when they do it right, it's really difficult to just throw because they just throw so many people at you. Um, They're going to do that home or away they're they're sort of a dogmatic team like that so it wouldn't surprise me to see united kind of end up on the counter in in this game as well because they just i don't think they're good enough on the ball to resist the high pressure but the other side the flip side of that coin is that if united plays on the counter they actually seem better at that than anything else um they don't seem to be very good at holding the ball and breaking teams down but they are good and they have had some wins where they've been the team that's just sitting deep and hitting on the counter. Um, yeah. So if Atlanta comes in and exposes themselves uh, in that manner, maybe United can counterpunch their – it's a weird thing to say at a, in a home game, but it might resemble that first game a little bit. Um, hopefully not exactly like that because I don't think that's a – that first 10 minutes is not is not something you can replicate. If you do no. that again, you definitely end up losing. Um, but maybe with a better start – um, and some, and some solid counterattacking play. They might be able to get out of this one with a win. Um, we'll see. It's, it's an important game that has us not exactly optimistic because nope. it's, it's hard to feel optimistic about DC United right now. Um, yep. but speaking of teams that don't feel optimistic, uh, we're going to move on in our next segment. We're going to take a break and bring in Eugene Rapinski from the brotherly game to talk about, Another struggling team, the Philadelphia Union, who DC United plays again, or plays again, yeah, for the 18th time this season, I believe. Uh, they'll play them this Saturday. So stick around, please, and uh, we'll, we'll be back. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we, uh, the games never stop. Uh, we've already talked about last week's many games. We've already talked about the upcoming game against Atlanta United. We're finishing up the show with DC United's final of, I think it's 700 games this week, uh, where they'll be traveling the short drive up I-95 to face the Philadelphia Union, and we've brought in Eugene Rupinski from the Brotherly Game to talk about that one. Eugene, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, guys. Good to, good to talk with you again. You've been on the show about, especially because we keep playing the Union, you've been on the show a, a roughly 20 times this season, uh, so you know the drill. What are you drinking? Just water. All right, uh, it, that's fine. I, I, I have no I have no heart to, to complain about just water at this point. Where I'm I'm all out of uh, anger. Um, we'll um, find some more. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, we just uh, before we went on, we were we were doing a little research between our two teams, and we discovered that both both United and the Union and the Union are currently having a... They have a worse points-per-game rate than the Colorado Rapids. Uh, and it is just devastating. I know it's devastated me, and I feel like it's... All three of us are devastated by that fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's... 
it's about as bad as it can get. You don't want to be worse than the Rapids at anything. Um, anyway, now that we've... Uh, Except facial hair. You could at least be worse at uh, than uh, Pablo Mastroeni at facial hair. Yeah, I don't know if I could pull that mustache off. <laughs> I couldn't. I I couldn't. I mean, I could probably grow something close to it, but... I, I couldn't pull it off, I don't think. I, I don't think I also couldn't speak in such metaphorical and metaphysi- metaphysical uh language as uh Mastroeni. You'll you'll never defeat the, the the strength of the human heart or spirit or both or neither. <laughs> um I can't even I, I can't remember what he said other than that it was it was awesome in a bad way. Um, I mean, between that and their yellow jerseys, it's like, look, Colorado, we get it. You legalized weed. Congratulations. <laughs> that'll be that'll be their their third their third kit in uh, 2018. Will just be a, a green uh, marijuana leaf print jersey. <laughs> it, it'll harken it's like back something to you could get from. Just like something you could get from Spencer's. Yeah, and they'll call it like a throwback because the the Rapids back in the day uh, wore uh, wore green for a brief period of time, um, and uh, it'll sell it'll sell a boatload. Uh, it'll make the Rapids a ton of money, and they can blow it on the next Kevin Pablo Mastroeni. I was going to say the next Kevin Doyle. Um, I don't I don't think they're going to give Pablo a raise anytime soon. But you never know. It's the Rapids. Um, but we're not here. We're not here to talk too much uh, more about the Colorado Rapids. They are not part of the show. Um, Eugene, the last time we had you on, um, one, one strong point for the union was the center back pairing. It was an unexpected strength. Uh, where are things with those guys right now? So if if you remember what I had said the last time, um, about how it was a strength and how good it was, it's, it's kind of the opposite now. Like just, uh, you know, throw a negative sign right up in front of that. Um, (laughs) the, the center back pairings have have been really bad and you know it's they've got four mls caliber center backs uh and the two that that they've been using uh gucci Anyewu and jack elliott um haven't really been uh they haven't been performing all that well i mean look at the two goals that that they allowed against uh, uh new york uh, both times Bradley Wright Phillips was allowed to kind of go unmarked in, in the box. Uh, Gooch was behind him. You know, you're not going to catch him from behind, especially when you're 34. And, and Elliot was kind of absent. It's like, it's, it's frustrating to watch that, um, you know, and, um, it's, it's especially frustrating when you have options like a Josh Yarrow and a Richie Marquez available on the bench that played well. Yes, of course, it was against Harrisburg in, in the uh, the Open Cup, but they played well nonetheless. And, you know, to, to see that kind of uh, performance ag- against New York, I mean, it's just inexplicable letting Wright Phillips alone in the box like that. Um, yeah, it, it's frustrating. Do you think that that there's any chance of uh, Jim Curtin making a change uh, now that, especially since Yarrow was out for so long with that shoulder surgery from the preseason? Yeah, I think you're going to see him uh, work his way back into the mix. Um, I know that they're really high on Yarrow, and he has a tremendous upside. I mean, mm-hmm. he has the defensive mind uh, set, and he's fast. You know, you don't usually get guys with that amount of speed uh, who play center back and play it well. 
Um, so to have that back there is, is really something. The knock on him is injuries. Can he stay healthy? Um, he was out with a shoulder injury last year. He was out with the same injury again this year, and it's 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 been repaired. But at the same time, can he maintain that? Can he play in a very physical league like MLS and, and be able to maintain that that health? Um, you know, hopefully he can. I'd like to see him start to get minutes, um, perhaps at the expense of of Elliot. Um, you know, rewatching those goals. Uh, it looked to me more like Elliot was at fault than, than Onyewu. Um, so it might be good to see a, a, a pairing like you would normally see up at striker where you have the big physical lumbering guy and then you have the real speed guy. I think having that at center back pairing would be an interesting dynamic for the union. And it's worked well in the past, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily with Onyewu, but, uh, you know, a big physical guy with, with Yarrow. Uh, I, I guess um, another thing that's coming to mind as I'm trying to refresh my memory over the... There's so many games lately that, like, I watched the Union Red Bulls game yesterday, and it already feels like a distant memory that I'm trying to, uh, like, force myself to remember. Um, something I wish jumped... I had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's... I guess if the pain becomes acute... I mean, I was hoping the Union would not let the Red Bulls win because they're the Red Bulls, but... Um... Uh, other than that, I was not particularly uh, strongly rooting either way. I, I was rooting against Felipe and the Red Bulls, is, is what I was doing. Um, one thing that struck me lately is the cycling in midfield, um, where Madunyanin has has made it clear where he belongs. Um, but Chris Pontius has spent a lot of time out on the right. We're used to seeing him on the left. Um, Roland Allberg was getting some starts. Now it's Ilsenio as the number 10 um, Derek Jones stepped in for, um, Alejandro Bedoya, but then got himself sent off. Um, do you feel like Curtin is satisfied with that overall look or is it still sort of, a let me figure out other than Madunian in, let me figure out who the other four guys are going to be. Uh, sort of. So, you know, Bedoya is going to be in there, uh, when mm-hmm. he can go. Uh, he was injured with the national team. Uh, so that's why they started Jones. Mm. Um, you know, Jones has a bright future. That was an atrocious tackle. Yeah. Um, yep. There's, uh, you know, I, I know Jim was, was upset and, and made that very clear in the press conference afterwards that he didn't think it was a red. Uh, I have no problems with that red card. Um, you know, it was, it was a red, it was absolutely a red. Um, so, you know, obviously you're not going to see him there. You wouldn't have seen Jones there this week, provided Bedoya was healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so if Bedoya is unable to go, Jones is going to be out, you know, red card suspension. You're probably going to see Warren Craval in there, which is which is fine. Um, you know, he's going to allow Medunian to push higher up uh, because Craval likes to sit deeper and play more defensive. Um, as far as uh, Pontius playing on the right, they're doing that to allow Fafa Pico to play on the left. And, you know, it, it, it seemed to work there for a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think teams have kind of figured it out. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to be working anymore, um, which is, you know, maybe it's time to make some adjustments as far as Fafa goes. Personally, I'd like to see Pontius back on the left. Uh, I think he, you know, he had that amazing season last year where he led our team in goals. 
he, he you know contributed uh, all of these assists and really was an asset out on 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 the left and he doesn't seem to have that level of comfort out in the right he's been okay but he missed a couple of of, of pretty easy opportunities against uh, the Red Bulls early on in the game where you look at it and you go, you know, if he had, if he was coming from the left instead of the right, would he have made that, you know? Um, as far as the 10 goes, you know, I think they, they thought Alberg was going to be the guy. He mm-hmm. hasn't proven he can be the guy. Um, Il Senio has proven he's serviceable, but I don't think he is a long-term option out uh, at, at the 10. I think they really need to explore bringing somebody in during the summer transfer window. Um, Il Senio is fine uh, there, but I think they can do much, much better. And I think if they're going to pose any sort of threat to, to make the playoffs, if they're going to pose any sort of threat to, uh, you know, even get ahead of Colorado in points uh, per <laughs> game, they're going to need somebody, a, a solid number 10 that's going to play there week in, week out. So I was just making myself sad again, just looking at the uh, standings and looking at uh, DC United's goals for, uh, which is it, is ten. It, it's ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad you have to laugh at it because otherwise, I mean, it just I would never get up out of bed. I, I've been able to do that for a lot of things this season, so I, I I can feel the frustration and I can empathize with it for sure. But, uh, but the Philadelphia Union at least have more than that. But uh, I saw on either Instagram or Twitter, I don't remember which, it doesn't matter which, um, that uh, our old friend Charlie Davies is uh, getting healthy and is getting back towards at least being available for the Philadelphia Union. Does he have a role with the Union uh, this year when healthy? Or is it just kind of he's going to play out the season and then go elsewhere? You know, I, I I never want a player who's signed with the union to fail. I never want to say that they're not going to make it. They're not. I don't think I don't think Davies has a spot, and, and you know I I want him to, but at the same time, CJ Sapong has been playing phenomenal soccer. He's got eight goals so far this year. If he can keep that up, he's obviously the guy. Um, they signed Jay Simpson for half a million dollars a season from Leighton Orient. Terrible piece of business, but <laughs> he, the guy's making a half a million. They're not going to be able to offload him anywhere. He's not going anywhere. In a one-striker setup, that leaves no room for Davies. I mean, it, it sucks, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah. Um, just going back to uh, Chris Pontius, is it just the fact that he's on the right this year? Is he just... Uh, in a is he just kind of grinding right now, or is there something something up with an, another one of our old friends? Yeah, I don't I don't know of anything uh, untoward or anything like that. I, I think he's just been unlucky, and I, I hate kind of putting that uh, on a player. I hate using that as kind of an excuse. But I mean, he's had some he's had some decent looks at goal. Uh, that the goalkeepers made a phenomenal save on. You know, Robles uh, knocked one away uh, this past week that it, pretty much any other goalkeeper in the league doesn't stop. He's hit the post or the crossbar. I mean, he, he, the guy's snake bitten, and uh, it, it's kind of tough to see that. I, I don't know if, if 
you know, I, I think it, it, he get better looks from the left than the right. But you know, I don't know that for sure. Um, it's it's hard to say that when he you know he hasn't played there since early on in the season. Um, and, and I don't know if that would be a fair assessment to say, oh yeah, if you put him back over there, these things go in. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that. Um, I, I wish I knew what it was. Uh, you know, obviously we like Chris, we want him to score. We want him to, to, to score often and, um, to, to see just some of the real tough luck stuff that, that, you know, balls being, you know, hitting off of the underside of the crossbar and out and, uh, guys standing on their head to, to knock it away. It's, it's, it's tough. You gotta, you gotta think something's going to go in for him though. So imagine that you're in, uh, Jim Curtin's giant shoes in his, uh, big and tall, uh, suits. Uh, however many other ways I can say that he is a giant <laughs> person. Um, what this summer with the transfer window about to open, what's the one thing that you would address number 10 without a doubt it would be a number 10 i feel like the other positions are competitive and have players there that can make a difference that can uh you know really stand out you know there's there's no need for goalkeeper there's really no need for center back of course uh, you know that that's been a bit of a pain point for for the club but they've they've got two other guys that are perfectly capable of playing at the MLS level, you look at right back, you know, they've got Gaddis and they got Rosenberry. who was an all-star last year. You know, you just go up and down the roster and you see these, these guys who are starting and they're battling with other guys to come, you know, who, who can take their, their job at, uh, at pretty much any time. And I don't see that at the 10. I, I don't see that at all. I think, um, you know, El Senior is serviceable. I think the fact that he's beat out uh, Alberg, who is a career number 10, speaks volumes. Um, you know, uh, I, I think they really got to bring in that that kind of offensive field general, kind of like they had with Tranquilo Barnetta last year. Um, you know, bring in somebody like that who can control the game from that 10 spot, who has that vision, uh, because right now they're just, they're just not getting it done. Uh, Eugene, I'm looking at the, I'm still stuck on this standings page. Um, and one thing that jumps out (laughs) at me is, uh, with the union, um, their home record right now, this game is going to be up in Philly. Their home record is three wins, three losses, two ties. Um, DC United fans know all about being ineffective at home. Um, that's, that's only just barely a better mark than United's, uh, miserable home record. What's going on uh, up at Talon Energy Stadium? What's what's causing the Union trouble in their home games? You know, I'm I'm reminded of a quote. I think it was uh, Orlando Man- uh, Orlando Magic uh, general manager oh God, Pat Williams. I think it was way back in the day. The Magic were terrible, and he said, "Look, we can't win at home. We can't win away. It's my job to find a different place to play." Um, <laughs> <laughs> the union are kind of in that space right now. They mm-hmm. they they can't they can't win away. Uh, I think they've won one one game on the road. They they can't win at home. Uh, you know their their record is is just about five hundred. Um, you know what's going on there? I don't know. Um, I think it's it's these these lapses. It's these breakdowns. It's not having guys in the correct position. Um, 
I think no matter where they play, there's there's some. It seems to be there's always something this season, and that's like inherently frustrating to watch because you're not sure what's going to kill you this game. You know, you you know you get your you, you get your number eight figured out. Okay, Bedoya is our guy. Okay, well now it's the ten that's not performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you get somebody in there who, who's competent, uh, and then your center backs start to slump. It's 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 you know. It's the death by a thousand cuts. And Wait, you mean a th- you mean a thirty-five-year-old center back who, before the season, hadn't played in like two years, might not be the long-term answer for the entire season? Well, I don't think I don't think he was ever viewed as a long-term answer. I think he was viewed as a stopgap answer, and he's you know he's performed rather well, but at the same time, you know you got to look. At, he's been paired with a guy uh, fresh out of college um, who doesn't have experience. And who is going to put him in a position, uh, him being on the able, he's going to, uh, Elliot's going to put on in a position where he's going to have to try and make up for him. And at 34 years old, you'll be able to, to, to step up sometimes, but you're not going to be able to step up every single time and make that, you know, be able to cover for that. Um, you know, I, I, it's, 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 it's something every week. Eugene, I guess we'll we'll end with our our traditional final question. Um, if you're su- if you're on United sideline, you've got a game plan for the Union for this uh, Saturday's game. What is your basic approach? Yeah, it's right now. Um, right now, I'd still go directly at the center backs. I'd still run run right at them, uh, make them make a play. Um, I would also try and get the union to uh, to concede uh, corner kicks. That was the death of them against New York City FC before the break. Uh, they allowed two late corner kicks uh, that uh, City converted. Uh, they allowed a ton of corner kicks against Harrisburg. Thankfully, Harrisburg wasn't able to convert any of them, or that would have been you know an embarrassing early exit to the to the Open Cup. But DC United, I dare to say, is much better than Harrisburg and should be able to convert those chances. Are you um, sure about that right now? <laughs> uh, pretty sure. Pretty sure. That, thank you for that, that small bit of kindness. We, we needed to hear that, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if you, guys, if, you can, if you can get the union to, to put the ball out, out you know, over their own goal line and, and get these corner kicks and set up free kicks... You know, they're, they're something, you know, the dominoes will fall. Something will happen. Somebody's going to miss an assignment. It, it, they always do. And, um, you know, you guys will, will be able to score off of that. <laughs> Scoring. <laughs> hey, stranger I, things have happened, man. I mean, we, that's true. We won, th- we won three games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. If, if there's any, if there's any positive note for United fans is that usually United versus Union means some sort of weird uh, happenstance. In this case, it would just be DC scores a goal would be the bizarre incident. Um, Ten. Ten goals. DC and DC and the Union have always played, in my mind, some of the best games. Um, the, the, the 
the rivalry on the field, you know, we we always try and talk about rivalry, and of course, DC and Philly is is supposed to be like a natural rivalry. We're also supposed to have a natural rivalry with New York, and so far with the Red Bulls, it hasn't materialized for us. I know it's different for you guys, mm-hmm. but for us, it really never materialized. But with you, it has always been an a match worth watching on the field. Something always happens. Something crazy always goes down. And a red a red card, most likely. A red card. I mean I remember what was it, twenty twelve, uh, when two of your players almost got into a fist fight on the on the field yeah, there, there in were, RFK. There was a stretch of like I think it was like between twenty eleven and twenty twelve, virtually every D C versus Philly game had some sort of near fist fight between someone on the field and someone else on the field. Um Yeah, and and I mean that to me that to me is like that that spark. You know, thankfully our fan, uh, you know, the fans from both sides have always been really cool with right. one another. Um, the, you know, yeah. I, I like that that we go and and we yell mean things at each other for ninety minutes, and afterward it's like, hey, right. how's it going? You know, right? You know, everyone laughs at the barbs that are being tossed their way, and then it, you know, it's over. Whereas the players seem to all hate each other. Um, the fans really don't. There's none of that animosity. Fun. Yeah, uh, that's that makes it so fun. kind of the idea. For, for good games. Uh, it turns out you don't have to hate other uh, fans for wearing a different shirt. Um, people might not know that. Can we can we get uh, Dwayne DiMazzario back just to uh, headbutt somebody? <laughs> good old. Uh, I didn't think I would ever be on a filibuster and get a Dero uh, reference thrown at me. <laughs> I I can I can die peacefully in my sleep tonight. <laughs> If if please don't if only it were that easy for yeah, us to, on the but... on the other side, um, but uh, in any case, now that we've now that we've uh, we've talked about death, I guess <laughs> I guess it's a good note to end the show on. Uh, Eugene, let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet. Sure thing. Um, you can find my writings at Brotherly Game uh, on Twitter. It's just at Brotherly Game or BrotherlyGame.com. Uh, if you want to follow me for some MLS, some Liga MX stuff, uh, I do that at my uh, my own uh, personal Twitter, Golazo Del Gringo. Um, you know, it's it's a mixture of both. So if you're not interested in one, just be willing to put up with it or don't follow me. And uh, you can find us at filibuster uh dcu on on the twitter um filibuster podcast at uh, gmail.com uh we want to give a shout out um to our patreon uh sub- subscribers thanks everybody for uh your contributions to that uh it, it means the world to us that anyone wants to listen to us uh, at all much less to actually uh support us doing it it's pretty a pretty cool thing um in particular uh we have to shout out uh mark cornick and ryan keefe um, who have earned, uh, that sh- shut out or that shout out, shut out. Um, good God. DC United has earned their shutouts by being right. awful. Uh, you guys, well, you guys have earned your shut out slash shout out by being awesome at, uh, at life and at supporting us. Um, but, but all of our Patreon subscribers, it, it means, uh, a tremendous amount. Adam would probably say this in a more concise manner than I am. Um, we will have, um, some goat photos uh, for you soon. Uh, I think we promised that uh, we'll get get that. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll figure it out. Um, I will find. Yeah, a goat. that's how goat it's going to work. Is we'll go I find goats. Find just goat. uh, like where do you find a goat that's not like the zoo? I don't know. I'm just going to. I guess I'm just going to walk down the street and start asking people. 
Um, but in any case, um, until until that comes to pass, uh, for the absent, uh, wait, Ben, do I have to say anything else? Am I forgetting something? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Eh. No, all right. I if it's I for, right. if Go I for forgot it. it, it's gone. Um, for the absent Adam, uh, for the present Ben, uh, and for myself, uh, thank you, Gene, for coming on. Uh, Ben, please end the show somehow. Go, go, go.